Hi, and welcome to another episode of Kentarkis. My name is Michael Yohan. This is A Few Adventures, number two, because we have done a previous episode called A Few Adventures um, several episodes back. This uh, this is an amazing... Um, it, it was really exciting putting, putting these uh, clips together from uh, different recordings that we had recorded when uh, Kentarkis was actually in his car waiting for his son at school. So um, on that note, I just want you to know that I apologize that the audio isn't as great a quality, and also occasionally you're going to hear a weird sound. I think that's um, you know a car driving past, but it's still totally worth it. These adventures to listen to, it's just so amazing. So, oh, also I wanted to mention that um, the first adventure that Kentaka shares is about these seventh dimensional beings, and if you're not sure about them, you may have to listen to the interdimensional travel episode, which is five episodes before this one. If you go to that, and if you want, go specifically to nine minutes in to that, then you'll get to hear the first adventure with them, and then right now you're about to hear the second, which actually follows on to the other adventures following that. So, And one last thing I want to mention is before this very first adventure, there's a bit of a um, clarification and build-up where we actually discuss a few things before we really get into the adventure. I decided to keep this in, this part of the recording, because I just thought it was relevant enough to. So, yeah. So, here we go. Um, so, well, firstly, let me ask, before you tell us about your experience, what have you now found out their names of their individual names, or at least the name of their, their race, what, what you call them? Yes. Yes, and I'll tell you that as it goes through. You'll okay. have to give me a few moments when I get to it because I have to know how to pronounce their... Sometimes some of the words in Sanskrit, the original Sanskrit is so old, Michael, you're looking at trillions of years old. Wow. And sometimes language does change slightly mm. and the wording can be a little bit harder to pronounce. But once you start pronouncing it, you know, it's no different to speak in English. It really isn't. It's like um, um, Shikani, right? You know, uh, it's it's simple for me to say Shikani. Right? So all that type of stuff. Upata, you know, like the planet where um, Kadi comes from. Mm, mm. It, it becomes easier. Mm. Now, the name of her race is a bit more difficult because I've only said it probably three times, so I've got to try and get it into my uh, mind to be able to pronounce it. What I did, man because I didn't want to lose anything, um, and I think I still did anyway, I think there's still more to remember, I was sort of, just so you know, I was sort of out most of the night. Oh. I didn't wake up once until um, quarter to six in the morning. I went to bed at five to nine, and I was in, my, in another, another bedroom, and I went to sleep instantly, and I didn't uh, wake up till quarter to six or just before quarter to six. So it was a very long adventure. So if you like, what I'll have to do is, I'll have to take, I've got notes in front of me. So I'll be going from the notes, just so you understand, so I can say it um, in the way that it actually happened. Mm. And that to me is very important, so I don't, um, what's the word, is it embellish it? Sure. Yeah, you know, okay. So you'll have to bear with me, okay? 
So do you want to ask me again about it and I'll start or what? Um, okay. Uh... And you will hear me just wrestling a bit of paper a bit so you can just sort of, you know, um, say, oh, you're wrestling paper again. <laughs> yeah, if it's, between, if it's in between your words, maybe while I'm speaking, whatever, I can easily cut it out. But it's yeah, all good. Okay. So, Kentakis, uh, a while back we were talking about a race of beings that you got invited to spend time with, even in their, their universe, literally their own. Oh, it was amazing. You spoke about their own universe being one uh, planet that was kind of split into parts or something. Absolutely amazing. And you thought they were seventh dimensional beings. You had an amazing time and you knew that on Friday night coming you would uh, see them again. That's now past. So you saw them again. Would you like to tell us what happened? Yes. Well, these are seven-dimensional beings, and their actual um, society is called the Nipleons. It's called the Nipleons. That's N-I-P-L-E-Y-U-N-S, which is quite an interesting name, really. Now, it was Friday night, which was the 17th of October, 2023. I experienced for the second time two two seventh dimensional beings called the Nipleans. And their world is called um, Niplin with a hyphen, Makrig. So Makrig. And they have been in existence, if we look at, say, human time factor, roughly around three to four um, billion years old in their own evolution. That's not million, that's billion with a B. So they've been around for a very long time. So I was informed through my own consciousness at a deeper level four days ago that they wished to come and discuss certain information as well as to take me into what they call the earthly spirit realm so I can show them what I had created in that realm. They were very curious and they are very curious beings when it comes to any form of manifestation. Um, so I use the substance as they realize, called living energy. And their curiosity was really, really, um, how would you say, at a high height. Um, to bring about the form of a manifestation, which naturally I agreed. As I prepared myself in a room, laying on a bed, I created a field of living energy for self-protection. You must always, no matter who you are, you must always put the light around yourself and believe that you are uncovered within this light and it does protect you, which I always do. So as that, is one, as that is one thing each of us should always learn when we do that type of thing, especially if one comes into contact with especially a negative force or negative situations, and they're out there, which in most cases will change all the intended circumstances preventing myself or anyone from achieving their or my personal goal or quest. As I lay there going into a deep form of being relaxed, their faces appeared with a pleasant smile saying to me, Kantakas, please come with us. <laughs> like it was quite formal, <laughs> um, which I did. Yeah. As I came out of my human physical shell, I saw my human body lying on the bed quite peaceful with a smile. The two beings placed a hand on each side of my shoulder as we went straight through the wall. I did notice we were already within space traveling into the spirit vibration, which is fourth dimensional. Now, that's interesting. We went through the wall, and suddenly we were in deep space. 
And I, I forgot to ask the question, how did we do that? But we did. So that's all that matters. <laughs> as, as we traveled, um, the one on my left, who is named, give me a second, Yenika. That's it, Yenika. That's Y-E-A-N-E-K-U-R, Yenika. He, uh, he asked me a question. Now, it's not really a he or a she, by the way. Um, these beings are, um, there's a word for it, um, they don't have um, any sexual identification like we do on Earth, male, female. They just all are, which is interesting. There's, there's no need for them to physically reproduce anymore, is there? Well, no, there's not. No, not, not at all, mate, not at all. Anyway, Inika asked me a question. We are guiding you through your thoughts to where you wish to take us, which was interesting. I looked into his eyes and said, Yes, I am going to the tall building first. Within moments, we had arrived. As we came to a halt, I noticed the look on their face was quite amazed, especially with this type of creation. The one on my right, who is named Vin Vinmiri, it's V-I-Y-M-I-R-R-E, Vinmiri, asked me, Kuntakas, this structure you created through living energy, by your mind in this vibration of your own spirit realm. Did you do this by your own consciousness? And I looked at this being replying, yes, I did. The other being called Yenika asked me, are we permitted to enter the structure Kantapis? I said, of course. They floated up to the level, which was one massive floor containing one huge kitchen, huge dining area. It had a sunken lounge with four very wide steps at it as well as an entertainment area, huge room, with elevated lounges for comfort and a massive viewing monitor, which would be probably about 3 point something metres long and about 2.1 or 2.3 metres high. Yeah, wow. I created a really, really huge monitor, Michael. It was quite fascinating. Um, as they both walked around the entire floor looking at everything with the look of amazement, Yinika turned, looking at me, asking, may I ask how many levels are there in this structure? I said, there are in total eight separate levels. Vinmira asked me, Kantakas, how tall is this structure? It is in total 287 feet. Vinmira asked me, may I ask you what are the eight levels used for? So I explained. The ground level is what is called the parking level, which is 120 feet square with a 30-foot ceiling. The first level is a huge water reserve tank area. The second level is a storage food level, like two cooler rooms, one freezer room, and three very large storage rooms. Level three is this, is this one we are standing within, being the kitchen, dining, lounge area, and the entertainment area. Level four has 10 two-story apartments, fully furnished, and are three-bedroom apartments on the same level. It is equipped with the family entertainment area as well as a huge playground for children, as well as a fitness training area. Level five is my family and fully equipped. Level six is a massive area being 100 foot square and a 60 foot high ceiling, which I will need to build a very unique the car on spaceship. 
<laughs> the look on their faces was 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 really <laughs> mind blowing. They they found that quite interesting because it's like they do a lot of thinking. These beings, they don't just make it. Where me, I may work at it for a very long time. Anything, Michael, from you know from from six months to six years, ten years, and I never give up. I keep doing it until it becomes reality. So now, after all these years, I mean, it's a long time. I've been on this planet for just over 52 years. And when I decide to do something, I never give in. So, a very unique Nakaron spaceship that will also be created from living energy. I can explain that if anybody wishes. The design will be extracted from a cellular memory. I have that knowledge of design from several incarnations I had in my past lives on my planet Nakaras, as I explained to them both. Yinika looked at me in a curious way asking, so you are creating this spacecraft so you can go with your family of three to your own world? Yes, that is my intention. Venera asked me, may we formulate a design structure within our energy field of this entire structure as it stands, so we can show our vibration what has been created by a human in this spirit realm? Naturally, I said, please do. As I observed both of them, I could see their energy going from light blue to a deep, rich yellow, which seemed to last just for several moments, with Yinika asking me, we do not need to go to the other levels as we have it all within us. May we go to the other structure you call the dome? I said, yes. So we traveled, and I said, the travel is only short. As, as they moved close to me, placing a hand on my shoulder, we seemed to vibrate in the most unusual manner, with my building no longer visible. My massive cream dome stood directly in front of us. As we landed gently on the top, outer wall with Vinma afting. This is a very interesting structure. Yinika, what is its purpose, Kantakas? It only has one purpose. I manifested it from living energy to hold very bad human spirits after they leave the physical vibration. So they are held accountable for their brutal crimes against humanity, where they will stay for eternity. My path, once my human body expires, is to be within the spirit vibration and develop my abilities in the same manner as was on my planet, Makaras, being magical as my father, Yarkas Carter. My civilization has always believed in true justice for crimes that we commit against the innocent. Which is interesting, Michael, isn't it? Mm. A lot of people wouldn't look at it that way. Mm. Unica looked at me saying, yes, we do understand as we have been with your father. We made contact and he was quite pleased to meet with us on a star where we discussed many things of importance and you and your world was within that discussion. There is one other thing we wish to ask you about a planet your father spoke of. Its name is Shikani. Is it possible to go there now? 
And naturally I answered, yes, we can, if that is your wish. Again, they placed their hand on my shoulder and another journey began. This time it felt like my first journey with them, seeing all the universes passing me by. Yet that same feeling of not moving. It felt like it only took several minutes. Then I could see this lightish green-like aura covering the entire planet Shikani. In the knowing that I manifested it in a previous incarnation as an Akaron. As we entered the atmosphere, I could really smell the most pure air. It's like I was breathing, yet I know I wasn't. Yinika asked me as we moved towards the sun. Sorry, it wasn't the sun, it was the sky. Your father mentioned in our discussion about a structure that you created through manifestation. He called it a house to live within. May we see it? I remembered looking at him. His facial expression was daunting to say the least. I said to him, we are just about to be there. And we were, just hovering above it. We moved directly in front of it and settled on the large overhanging balcony that ventured right around the entire house. Just then, as Yinika was about to ask another question, Vinmira spoke out saying, You have to look at this, Yinika. Is this not the image that Yakov Kardas described to us back then on the star? Yinika turned. His eyes actually glowed, even increased in size. It's like he was showing his inner feelings of complete joy. What he said next really stuck with me. This is what we have not experienced in our dimension. What we have created is wonderful. But this physical image we are seeing of three most magnificent waterfalls that are so massive in its own beauty is what our kind needs right now. Yinika turned to me smiling, asking, I and my fellow beings have had a request of you, Kentakis. Can we, or more to the point, can I absorb the natural image essence of this scene in an energy form and manifest it within the universe, Nuplan, Makai, Mot Kriya, of the... God, these words, mate, I tell you, they're really... Unfamiliar, yeah. beings... So it becomes a permanent placement. This image will enhance our vibration. I looked at both of them as they kind of smiled, which was apparent on their face, and said, yes, whatever you wish. You both have given me the greatest experience that any human or even being could desire. Yimika looked at me saying, we are impressed with you, not just as a human being but also as an Akara. May we go a little closer to the waterfall? There I will draw in the conscious vision. I remember seeing him just floating and witnessed this image essence being drawn within him. We then traveled over some other areas right around the planet Shikani. Then we returned to my house where we stood talking. Vinema asked me a question. Pentakis, once you enter this spirit realm, will you be reincarnating on the planet Earth again? I looked at them both. 
with a half smile, but with deep satisfaction, and said, no, I will not be entering a human body. I will open up my abilities and watch over my wife, Alusha, and my son, Marcus. Once they depart from their human body, the three of us will go back to our home planet, Nakaras, and will have no need to reincarnate into a physical form, but will create an Akaron body, but without internal organs. Yinika looked at me asking, Your father mentioned that the High Council on Nakaras agrees that a visitation of an Akaron ship will be going to your Earth in 140 to 180 human years and did inform us of why this visitation will come about. I found that of deep interest, as well as you, your sister, as well as your two brothers, will be on board in that visitation. We do understand the limitations of the human species, even why it is the way it is. We also agree that the visitation will help the changing of their thought consciousness and will become more aware to what has been happening on the planet Earth. As your first visit to our universe has given you a new perspective of our evolution, and if needed, we will be of assistance to you personally in your future endeavors in helping the human evolution. I looked at him in a way that I kept swallowing, and yet I wasn't. I was feeling actually overjoyed. And clearly how both of them looked at me in such a loving heart way. What was more amazing to me was suddenly waking up in my bed, feeling a smile on my face, knowing what an extraordinary experience I just had with two beings from a universe that is seventh dimensional. That I would love for every human to experience because it would open up a complete new way of thinking. My other thought as I laid in my bed was to be able to visit their universe again, simply to see my massive three-bay waterfall that is even beyond Niagara Falls in Canada. I know in my own future when I am existing within the earthly spirit realm, I will be sending out an invitation to these two beings called Nipplians, as well as my father, Yarkas Cardas, for an amazing lunch. And I look forward to that, I must admit. Is there anything you want to ask about that, Michael? Mm, so a lunch, a lunch on this planet, you mean? On Shikani, yes. Yeah. So can you just remind us, because I actually don't remember this, Shikani is a planet that you created when you were a Nakaran, did you say? No, 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 no. Shikani, Shikani is the planet that Maltama created his experiments, his negative experiments in genetics. And he created, through other species, a creature that was nearly 10 times the size of an Akaron. His mouth was so wide he could swallow a human in one go. And these creatures were used and created for war. But unfortunately, everything got out of hand and several, I mean several, of his own um, people were ripped apart and eaten. And he just 
barely escaped with his life off that planet. Those creatures grew by the hundreds of thousands. I discovered that planet as a Macaron. I discovered that planet. And what I did, I placed a field of energy around that so no one could ever, ever enter that planet. Because if they did, they would never leave. Over a period of time, those, those creatures, because they, they became so massive in numbers, they literally destroyed every form of animal, not just the vegetarian ones, but also the carnivore animals. And eventually, they destroyed every single one of themselves except for one, the leader. He was much more bigger and he had much more control over his entire pack. And he perished because he had no more food to eat. And in my book called The Dream Assassin, Volume 2, I explain through fiction, but with a very strong touch of reality, when I was in the Caron with Kalusha, when I took it to the planet to actually see the creature. But I rewrote it in a fiction form in my book at the last, at the last chapter when Mythical Man and um, um, Jasmine Forbes were getting married. So the book has fiction, but it also has so much truth in reality. How I've created that is mind-blowing for me, Michael, but it just flowed and fell together. Now, the planet has no creatures on it whatsoever except for vegetarian birds. That's all it is. And they are great because they pollinate the entire planet. And they are beautiful birds. And I even brought those birds into reality. Well, actually, Yagas Carter did. Into reality when Mystical Man and Jasmine Forbes were getting married. He created an opening in the ceiling with a dimension. And the dimension was Sakani. And he brought the birds. And everybody was just amazed by the birds. The beauty, the sounds they made. They made sounds like, like instruments, like harps and violins and all that type of stuff. It was quite unique in itself. So the planet is now there with no carnivals on it whatsoever. And the planet is thriving when it comes to vegetation, to rainforests, to waterfalls, and it's just incredible. But what I intend to do, as I said before to you, once I leave and I go into spirit world and my, my um, uh, um, Kalusha and Nakris are in also spirit world and we go back to Nakaron, so back to Nakaris, um, I intend to invite these two beings with um, Kanag, myself, Kalusha, um, Yakas Kardas, and also um, um, Nakris to act Antikani and probably Kadi to actually come into that place that I created, which is still standing there so beautiful, that has 12 bedrooms, by the way, and it sits up about 300 feet off the ground. And it's going to... Um, Sorry, which, a, which, which, which loca what location I'll, is this? 
on Sakani. Oh, right. I built a place there. Ah. And, and through the book, I explained how I built it. And I took Jasmine Forbes there as with Mystical Man for their honeymoon. And, and you know, if you eventually read the book, you'll actually say, oh, my God, this all just ties in. Mm. Oh, I see what I see what Kentakis was saying. And that's the whole point is to is to bring reality with a little delusion, which mm. is illusion. Delusion, illusion, fiction. Yeah, yeah fiction. Is this place, um, Sakani, where the three waterfalls are, is this a place that you've experienced being several times just for the peace yes. of it? Yes, I have. Mm. Yes, I have gone there on many occasions. And one time when I lost um, Nacris in a battle, I um, became very emotional as Nacaron because I love my sister and my two brothers, right, uh, very deeply. And we've had many, many incarnations together. And uh, when I lost him to such silliness, stupidity, I became angry and I had to find peace. So I took off, and I landed back at Chikani. That was my, that's my piece, my piece. Like you know, where you go, like you sit in front of a waterfall or a river, and you just relax and you listen to the water, and you know you breathe the fresh air. If you breathe the air, Michael, you would say, "Oh my God, I could eat this air." <laughs> it's so beautiful. There's no pollution whatsoever. Wow. Right? None whatsoever. And what's really amazing about the planet, it's not like here. It doesn't have that heat. It's uh, It has rainfall, but it doesn't have that heat. It's quite incredible. Quite incredible. Has one sun? So one sun, yes, one yeah. sun. Yeah. Mm. It's absolutely an amazing planet. I mean, God, if you look at the trees, mate, 300 feet tall trees wow. with a base, you know, like about, I don't know, God, um, across, probably 15 foot across, you know, you put that into a complete diameter. I'm not sure how much that would, that would come to if you put a tape around it, mm. but just massive trees, mm. massive. It mm. has so many rivers, so many rivers. You could drink the water straight out of the river and not concern yourself with some... Um, it being, say, you know, having microorganisms that could grow in your body. Mm -hmm. Nothing could affect you. It would be so perfect. The, the water is literally alive. It's amazing. This water we have on this earth is also alive, but we've polluted it so bad that all of its structure, in its cellular structure, has deformed. And if you notice that with humans, if, you, um, if you're a really nasty bad person and you've created so much pain to others have you noticed the habits that those people take on and they age so terribly they ripple up so bad um, their bodies literally fall apart and that's showing you the same as what happens to the earth when you pollute the earth and try to destroy it and rape of all its, its nutrients and chemicals the earth dries up and that's what happens same with people. Right. Well, I'm so chuffed that you've got the name of their race and the name of the two beings that uh, connect with you. Are you looking, are you seeing that there's a potential that you might connect again um, sometime oh, oh, in this yes. lifetime? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. 
they 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 did say to me, and I, I don't think I actually put it in there, but they did say to me that they would help me in my ventures, right, in whatever I wish to do, um, in helping, say, um, myself become, how would you say, more fluent with magic. Mm. They would help teach my consciousness, say, higher level of consciousness, because they're at the seventh dimension, which is much higher than our third dimensional vibration. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I can see how um, your your spiritual growth could excel because of beings like this just taking you on because you you know you're the right candidate for it for sure. Thank you, Michael. Mm. But everyone everyone is the right candidate. We all are if we dedicate some time to actually develop ourselves. And this is the point. If we don't put the time in to develop ourselves, all we will ever be is that same person we are in that moment of not wanting to develop ourselves. Even life after life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Well, very good. That was a very good um, experience you had again. That's really awesome. Um, yeah. Yes, it was, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just wish I could get other people to experience it, but, you know. Oh, well, you need to put on a GoPro. <laughs> you know what a GoPro is? Nope. A GoPro, you you strap it. To, I think you, you put like you like for instance, if you're wearing a helmet, you strap a GoPro yeah. to the front of the helmet and it records the video. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> so you go ahead with all your out of body experiences. You just take a a um, spiritual GoPro and then bring it back and get it converted into the third dimension, and we can all see what you're talking about. I think that'd be rather convincing for people that aren't sure about you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing is what you just said about a GoPro, right? Um, that's what um, Inika was doing. He was standing in front of the waterfall, and I could see this energy going from the waterfall into his chest. Really? Uh, yeah. I looked, and I saw it. And I just think in, my, in myself, wow, he's recording. And then I thought of Crystal. When we hold a crystal in our hand and project our mind into that crystal with thoughts, it's recording. Ask yourself why. Mm. And that's what he was doing. Same thing what you were just describing. Mm. Just more advanced. That's all. Just more advanced. Wow. Kentakis, you have another story to share with us. I believe it's an experience out of body where you went to Nakaris, your home planet. Would you like to share that with us? Yeah, that, that was a really, really interesting experience considering only um, several nights prior, I had a very interesting experience which you've actually um, recorded about um, you know meeting with, with seven-dimensional beings. Now, these beings, as I said, they have literally offered in a very, very loving, heartful way to help me because they've been watching me for many physical years, um, not just in my own development and my progress in being so determined to grow, but also in the books that I'm writing. They're fascinated because they realize that I'm dwelling into not just what is called fiction, I'm actually dwelling into reality at the same time and formulating that with fiction 
into books, especially ones that are marked down as fiction, which is The Dream Assassin Volume 1, which is on the market, as well as The Dream Assassin Volume 2, which I'm now in the present looking for traditional publishers. Now, since I've had those two really interdimensional travels that I have now been fully aware of, I didn't have the expectations what happened to me only a couple of nights ago, but I was drawn out of my body in a very similar fashion to the seven-dimensional beings. I know they weren't present. Whether they helped me, I have no idea. Or whether it was my father, Yarkas Cardas, without even telling me. Because he knows exactly what I'm doing. He knows that I've introduced these seven-dimensional beings to him. Because they spent several earthly days on a star well over 1.6, 1.8 billion light years from planet Earth. And that is a very broad distance. But as Father says, there's no such thing as distance to travel. Now, when I came out of my body, Michael, it was very interesting. I came out, and I do remember going through the wall of the house that I'm living in. And as I went through the wall, I got on the other side, and I could see the garage very clearly, the gates very clearly, even the neighbor's house very clearly. And then I looked up and I saw how cloudy it was. And I just said straight up. And I just went, Whoop. and I mean really fast. I was going so fast, I could see the actual light, very lightly streaming past my body. And then I suddenly entered space and I slowed down. And I looked around. And as I looked around, I could see Earth. And I just sort of floated in the sitting position and just said to myself, my God, look at that. I'm actually sitting in space looking back at the world that I live in at this time. Wow, how beautiful is that? And I remember turning slightly and saying to the earth, goodbye for now. I remember those words. And as I started to move, I took some form of recognition to if I was breathing or not. And I noticed that I could actually breathe. But there was no air. But I knew I could. And then I stopped breathing and I just didn't breathe. And I said, that's really interesting. So I have both combinations. So then I started to move and move and move. But as I got faster and faster, something really funny happened to me. And I was laughing my head off so badly. I'm not joking. You know how you laugh so loud? <laughs> well, I felt as if I was louder than that. And it was echoing. But what actually happened, I started to lose control of going forward. I started to move to the side. My legs started to come in front of me. And as my legs come in front of me, I started to spin. And I was wobbling. It was really unusual. I've never experienced that before. And I kept telling myself, you know, hey, 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 slow down, slow down, um, you know, get yourself back into line. But I couldn't. I was literally wobbling. It, like what seemed maybe, I don't know, three minutes. And suddenly I slowed right down. And as I slowed right down, it felt as if I was in a ship 
slowing down or a car when you slow down. That was the sensation. And then I noticed in front of me a planet. And I said, oh my God, I know where I am. That's my home planet. And I sort of sped up, but I kept the balance like I was flying like Superman, which I normally never, ever do. When I fly, whether it's on Earth or in space, I'm always vertical, always. But this time, it was like I was flying similar to what this Superman used to fly or pretend to fly. And as I was getting closer and closer and closer, I started to see my body literally just dissipate really strangely. Like I would say dissipate like in my books, volume one and two. And then I remember nothing for a few moments. It was blank. And then I landed on the ground in a, a, a sort of a, a, a squat position. And as I landed, I, I felt bang. I felt myself come down. And as I looked at my legs, I could see these really interesting silver boots that I was wearing, really strange with different colors. And then I stood up and I said, oh, my God, I'm tall. And I looked at myself and I said, it's me. I'm in the car on. Wow. And I started feeling my arms, you know, my body. And I said, God, I wish I had this body on earth. That was the exact words I said. I wish I had this body on earth. And I'm looking around and I noticed that something was flying. And I felt my hair. And I said, oh, my God, i got long hair. Wow. Similar to the color, but a little bit more sandy and thicker, like in its hair itself. And then I grabbed the back of my hair and said, create um, a plait. And it created a plait automatically. Just created it. Just did it. And as I'm walking through this main, I suppose, like a street, but like a pathway, I noticed there were, there were other Nicarons walking around. At the beginning, none of them noticed me. And suddenly, this one looked up at me and said, Kentakis, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be on Earth? I said, yeah, but for some reason, I'm here. Oh, good one. He said, welcome home. He said, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll see you maybe later on. And he walked away. And all these people, start, all these um, Nicarons, as they walked past me, they were waving to me, give me that sort of wave, very different to how we wave. It was like just a hand going up and moving forward, a little bit higher. And I did the same thing. And then I saw no one. But what I did see was these massive buildings that I remember very well. And these buildings, they're where storage is held and ships are built. I mean, they're like, you know, 300 feet high tall and inside there they're just a massive shed but what they've got is all these platforms that move around and I remember walking inside and having a look and I looked and I said wow they're in the middle of building a ship and I just sort of looked around no one sort of noticed me no one said anything to me like get out of here or anything like that and I just observed everything and then I walked out it's not like I appeared um Inside and outside, I literally walked in and eventually walked out. And I kept walking, and I walked and walked, and I came across 
my most favourite place, which I didn't say yesterday. My most favourite place, Michael, where would that be? My most favourite place. Oh, I think I do know. Uh, yep. Yeah, I, I might be wrong, but it's your own apartment up, up, up several levels high. Absolutely. The three big buildings, the massive pyramids that go up three kilometres in height. And there's like 65 of them all the way up. And they're just pyramids on top, on top, on top, all the way up. And they're massive. And some of them only got two apartments on one, or some have four, depending. And on the one that... Um, that um, I'm on, and Kalusha, and also um, uh, Nakris and, Ka- and Kanag, we're on two different levels, but there's only two apartments on the floor, and they're massive, and they're our apartments. They'll be our apartments for eternity. They'll always exist because they're made out of living energy created by the Iliads a long time ago. And what's really more interesting is I was standing there looking up, looking up and looking up, and suddenly... I looked over and I said, oh, my favorite, like what we would call cafe. And I walked over and I sat down. There was a table already up in position. I sat down and this person walked up to me. It was a female in the car on. And she said, Kentakis, I haven't seen you for so long. Where have you been? I said, on a very lonely planet called Earth. (laughs) That's what I said, (laughs) you know. And she said, I've never heard of it. I said, oh, you will in time to come. And she said, can I get get you anything? And I said, yes, please. I would like... Pasaki tea. <laughs> Pasaki tea. Purple tea. Pasaki purple tea. Said, yes. Yeah, I'll get you one. So she did. She was gone for about maybe, oh, not quite a minute. And she came back and she placed the glass down in front of me. And the the, the glass had all these beautiful... Shapes like um, like you were going up a mountain, around and around the glass, and the glass must have stood like nearly say, at least thirty centimeters high, oh, wow. with a very small wide base, and very light. And I picked it up and I took a drink, and Michael, oh, the only words I could express was, "I'm home. I'm home." I can do this. I can do this. And I sat there just drinking that Pasaki tea and I finished it. And then I got up and I walked. As I was walking, I walked up closer towards the apartment entrance. And just as I got there, something said, turn right. And I did. And I went to the right. And I went inside this massive covered area. And I could see all these Nakarons sitting down and listening to a lecture. And there was this high council guy that also I know is a friend, a close friend to Yarkas Carters. And as I stood there in the background, just standing, other ones were all sitting in these beautiful, comfortable chairs. I looked at him and I said, wow, he never used to talk. He never used to give lectures. And here he is giving lectures. And he looked suddenly right in my direction and he put his hand up high and waved to me. And I put my hand up and waved to him and he bowed his head to me as if to say, hello, how are you? Because he hasn't seen me for so long. And then I turned and walked away and I'm walking right down and there's this massive, massive 
the car on children playground. I'm, I'm talking massive, like a three or four football field in size. And it's covered, I'm not joking, in buildings, in um, play areas, everything. And as I was walking around, because it's a massive circle, I could walk around and there was nothing but beautiful rainforest. And I decided to go into the rainforest. And as I'm walking through the rainforest, which has got these beautiful pathways all the way around it, I could hear the birds and I could hear little animals. And they're all naturally little vegetarian animals because no carnivore animals live on Nakaris anymore, on that number two Nakaris. And I just walked around, walked around, and there was this little creature, Michael. It looked up at me out of the little leaves. And it was probably about maybe a foot and a quarter tall. And I looked at it and I said, hello. And it made the most, it made it sound like a cat, but much, much more prominent. Not like a meow, it was like a purr in a way. And I bent down, got right down and um, squatted. I put my hand out and it come up and it rubbed its face. It's on the left side of it, no, the right side of its cheek on my left hand. And it just felt so beautiful that this little creature, because that's what they're like on the Nakaras. And I picked it up and I gave it a cuddle and it was making all these beautiful sounds like it was trying to talk to me. And I said, okay, I better put you back. And I put it down and looked at me and then just whoop, into the leaves it was gone. And then I remember walking around and I saw this beautiful little fountain and it was just running water, beautiful, just a natural fountain running water. And I walked up to it, put my head down on the side and I took the most deepest drink. And the water... It wasn't sweet as we would call sweet, but it had that type of taste to it. And it had a taste of, of something fruity, but it was natural water and alive, really alive. And it made me feel so good I took a deeper drink. And then I got up and I said, oh, it's time for me to go. And as I was walking up, there was this man and woman and two children, two Nakaron children, and they were waving at me. And I looked up and waved at them and I started to dissipate and they stopped and they had the most saddest look on their face. And all I remember is waking up and I had to go and pee. And when I peed, Michael, I peed like for two and a half minutes. <laughs> I had that much water in me. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> because, because in the car on, would pee twice, three times as much as, say, a human would pee because of the size of their body. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, I lay, when I went back to the bed, I actually lay there because I had to lay in, my own, in, um, in a spare bedroom because I know what was going to happen. I felt I was going to have some sort of experience, mm. but no way did I feel I was going to experience that interdimensional travel on my own. But when I did that wobbling and spinning around all different directions, Michael, like a tornado, I felt really strange and I was laughing my head off and that's what really got to me. And I remember that so well. So that was the experience anyway, Michael. Oh, wow. Very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Wow. So you must have you must have uh, landed back in your bed, gone to the toilet, gone, gone back to bed and just lay there thinking, wow. I did, mate. I mean, I, gu I guarantee I was awake for at least 
probably around about uh, a good 20 minutes, maybe 30, just laying there, and I know that I had so many smiles on my face. I was just thinking about the whole process. I was thinking about it all. And, you know, to, to some people, they say, oh, that's pretty boring, doing, you know, just walking around. Actually, I'm on a world that's 417,000 light years from planet Earth, a population of, you know, how many? 40 billion. Um, been around for 27 million years in their own evolution. Um, more advanced than we will ever be as a, as a society if we ever survive to what's happening to us now. So to me, that is one really big experience. Mm. When you have big experiences like this, um, based on where you are as a person now, do you lay in bed and think, oh, I'm going to relive that so that it can help, I can help myself remember what actually happened? Or are you pretty like solid with it um, regardless? I'm solid with it regardless. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm very fortunate as um, a being when it comes to um, my own um, cellular memory. I know how to draw on my own cellular memory. And that's something that when I first came here, I always believed in, but I couldn't do it. But it, as I grew consciously, because I put the energy into to, to actually achieve that, I noticed that little things were happening more and more and more. Yeah, time will go by. You know, I heard somebody say to me not long ago, Michael, they, you know, I was saying, oh, yeah, well, maybe you should take up meditation to find some form of relaxation. Well, I can't meditate. You know, like, I've tried, I've tried, you know, but, oh, it's so boring. I don't want to meditate. I said, try meditating on your own. Don't use a guided meditation. If you want a little bit of really flute music, very low key, have that on and just sit there without expectations. Don't think about anything. Just be. And they say, oh, no, that's too boring. I've got too much chattering going on in my head. Well, that's the thing that you're supposed to stop. So you can do it, but it seems that you're very happy with the way you are, so that's all that matters. So I was being positive back. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think um, m many would know or remember that when it comes to being uh, a born uh, uh, and a car on born on a cars again, when they grow into adulthood, they seem to end up. Can you say? Can you tell us how they end up um, becoming? they end up looking like they have almost every other time, and so that's why they're so recognizable. That's very true. Apparently what happens with a lot of Nicarons, um, they have the ability to, to transform their own appearance, um, but many, many haven't actually created that. Many haven't brought that into reality because they don't care about it. But they do go through certain um, parents, Nicaron parents, and when they start to grow up, it's like they are the same. There's maybe very slight features that are different because they do change parents, but sometimes they go back to those parents later on in another lifetime for another lesson. But the Charons, in a way now, they don't really need a lot of lessons, Michael, mm. because they have, they have the, the, the tools and the abilities to, I suppose, do what they need to do. Oh, by the way, I meant to tell you while I'm looking up the clouds. Yeah. Um, about three and a half, maybe four, maybe four and a half months ago, I um, I came out of my body 
and I looked outside, I put my, my head outside through the wall and I could see that there was lots of lightning around and I flew up. I was, I was drawn to it. I flew up straight up into the massive dark clouds at night. And when I was inside the clouds, I saw all this lightning. It was just, oh, it was mind-blowing. Yeah. See all this lightning coming down at all different places, everywhere. And as I turned around watching it, I was so intrigued. You're not going to believe what I saw. What? I saw a, I saw a UFO. And it would have been at least 100 foot in diameter. And probably three stories high. And it was definitely the grave. And what they were doing, they were charging their ship. And that's what they do. I've never seen that, ever. Ah. I've seen it. I've seen like um, alien ships come out of these clouds, but I've never been up there. And I was probably about a hundred feet, maybe a fraction less, away from the ship. So I decided to go closer. I could feel myself being drawn to it. I got so close that I actually landed on the edge of the ship, and I started walking up to where they had like a glass. Um, it looked like a glass, um, a helm, like a helm. It was going all the way around the top part of the ship where they could observe. And as it got closer, I could see these little beings and got closer and closer. And you're not going to believe it. What actually happened, when I got close enough and I looked right at them, I could tell that they were negative, not very good ones. And suddenly, this one just turned and looked at me. And I looked at him or her, whatever it was. Immediately, the shock on that one's face, he ran to these panels or these controls, and he was, he, you could tell he was talking in some unusual kind of language, because I could hear it, but I didn't understand it. And the ship suddenly started up in a big way, it was humming, and I could feel the vibration, and it just went, gone, straight out of the cloud. Because it was so shocked that I was a human standing up in the air on their ship, and they could not fathom it. <laughs> and I meant, I meant to tell you that, but I forgot about it. Wow. About it. Hang on, but, like, you were, you were not physical, were you? Um. Maybe you I were. don't know if my body was with me, or I don't know if I created the body. But I got a feeling I created a body. Otherwise, they I wouldn't have saw. They would have wouldn't have seen you if you if you were just spirit. No, they wouldn't have seen me, mate. <laughs> right? But they were in they were in our dimension, like for our third dimension, because they were hidden in the clouds. You couldn't see them. The clouds were so thick. But they were literally charging their ship, and that's what they do. Well, they must get a lot of um, power from lightning. Absolutely, a heap of it. Yes. Mm. Yes, wow. they do. They do. They do. Oh, that's a cool story. Yeah. That's I really cool. I share that with you. And I was just, oh, by the way, I was just floating there when it took off in amazement. And as I turned to go back, I, I woke up. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> it's a good little um, experience. 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have a little thing I'd like to share with you if you want me to. If yeah. you don't, it's okay. Um, this happened to me. This happened to me um, Saturday night. Saturday night was today Monday. Saturday night. I said Sunday. No, Friday night. Sorry, it was after my training. I, I trained, then I meditated, then I went to bed. Oh no, I laid on the lounge for a little bit after Michelle went to bed. I went into the other room. I lay down. And I knew something was going to happen, but I thought it was Father. But I think Father sent this being to me. And I'll explain. I remember, again, coming out of my body and going through the wall. And as I went along, there was nothing but darkness. And I mean complete darkness. You couldn't see a thing. And then suddenly I felt the urge to stop. And when I stopped, I felt as if I was standing on a solid floor. And I said, let there be light. And a light shone, not showing me everything. Everything out there, probably within, say, maybe 50 or 60 feet, in, like in a circle, was all dark beyond that. But in that light, I could see quite well. Not a fluorescent light, a more of a, a dimmer light. And I saw myself standing there. And as I was standing there, I felt something on my back. And I put my hand up and I had a sword. It wasn't in the Chiron sword. And I, I sleuthed it right out. And I saw that it was a black blade again. And I put it back. And then I just walked around that circle. And as I got close to the edge where it was dark, I put my hand through it. And it felt really cold. I mean, cold, cold. Like I was in deep space and it was cold. But where I was standing was lovely and warm. And I looked down and I saw that I had like black type sneakers on and I had a jumpsuit on. And it was interestingly designed. And it was quite a nice fitting suit, one piece, like a jumpsuit. And then I got the feeling to move around. So I started moving my body in like Tai Chi movements. And I got more progressive and more progressive and more progressive. And then I became really hard Tai Chi. And then suddenly, I remember pulling out my sword, and I was using the sword blade, and I was just quite amazed how well I was performing with that sword. And this went on for about two to three minutes, I would say, and suddenly, I heard a voice, and it stopped me dead in my tracks, and it says, Kantakas. I listened to the voice, and then it said again, hello, Kantakas. And I stopped, and I tried to find the direction. And I said, hello, whoever you may be. Are you going to show yourself, or are you going to hide in the dark? And it said, I never hide. I just believe in being respectful. And I sort of mellowed from that point. And then out came this figure, and it was dressed in something similar to mine, but it had no shoes on. It was barefooted, and it was a purple-type suit, but bare feet. And I looked at the feet, and I said, you look human. And he said, I am just to show you that I am not aggressive. As well, there are very aggressive humans on your planet. And he looked at me with that sort of smile, and he said, I am not, unless I need to be. And I don't need to be with you, 
I said, did my father send you? He said, Jarkas. He said, well, he didn't send me, but he spoke to me about you. I said, are you like him? He said, I am working towards that, yes. I said, but you are more advanced, aren't you? He, I, and he looked at me and he said, in which way do you mean am, am I advanced? I said, to, to me. And he said, yes. I said, then why have you come? To see how you perform. I said, in what way? He said, your training, your sword. He said, do you wish to have a light spar? And I looked at him for a moment and I smiled. And I said, yes, I would love that. That's how I spoke to him. And he looked at me and he said, be ready. I said, I am. And he started moving in a circle really slowly with very powerful foot movements. You could tell that. And I started doing the same. And then he came at me and we clashed with the swords probably a dozen times, if not more. Our sword, and he, then he pulled down on my blade a few times, and I could see this like, you know how you grind metal, you see all the little sparks? It was like that, flying off. And then he, he spun around in a massive circle away from me, and then he came at me with a new type of technique. I could see it. And I started defending myself, but he was so quick. He literally threw himself right over me and his foot caught my head and he pulled me to the ground and he spun around with the sword sitting right on my third eye. And he said, you're dead. I said, yes, I am. Because I knew what he meant by that. Not that I'm physically dead or spiritually dead, but the movement that he performed on me would have taken my life if I was in a physical form with say, an aggressive person. And he said, how would you like this? Can I show you? I said, yes, please. He said, just stand back. So I stood back and he did these movements. And what he had was all these massive swirls. He would literally attack you and then suddenly spin so fast, three or four or five times in one go, and he'd be, you know, the sword would be chopping whatever it was in front. And then he'd literally leap right over, very high up and come down. And it was just so many movements. It was incredible. Like he was trying to stop bullets from hitting him. In a movie that I saw, that's what I used that expression. And then, I, then he stopped. And as he stopped, he walked up to me and he said, come, please. So I came towards him and he said, would you like a gift? And I said, yes, I would. What is it? He said, a program. I said, a program. He said, yes. I said, you mean you're going to instill a program of sword within me? He said, yes. I said, that's like on the Karas. He said, yes. They were the inventors, weren't they? I said, that's right. He said, you remember, don't you? I said, yes, I do. He said, but you don't remember me. I said, no, I don't. Well, he said, you will. Give it the moment and you will. Maybe another time I come, maybe a time after that. And I will give you the knowledge that you need to remember me. But he said, we were like brothers. And I said, oh. And then he said, may I gently put my 
fingers on the back of your, behind your ear. And I said, yes, and he did. His hand movement was so swift, but so gentle at the same time. And I could feel a vibration drawing from his fingers into my back of my ears. And I could feel the energy going directly into my brain. I could feel it. And I could literally have a vision of my pineal gland being cleansed. And then the program went all out of my body and it went into everything, like my mind and my soul, my everything, my physical. And then he stopped and he said, done. And he pulled back and he put his sword back in his flute on his back, just like mine. I did the same. And he put his hands on my shoulders, just like they do on the Karas. And I did the same to him. And he said, I am so pleased to have discovered where you are. I have been searching for a long time. And he said, your father gave me the point where to find you. And I thank him so much for that. And I said, thank you. He said, you will not notice it so much in your physical. But he said, I know why you want it. Because you've been asking for it. And now you have it. But when you leave this body, this vessel that you lie within, he said, what you will discover in the spirit realm, it will come forth. And it will help you in every facet of that existence. And you will bring that back to earth, to Kalusha. And you will give it to Kalusha. And you will give it to Nakris. And I looked at him and smiled. And I'm not joking. I had a tear come out of my left eye. And he looked at me and smiled at me. And a tear came from his right eye. And he put his hand up and grasped it. And I did the same thing. We put our hands together. And I could feel a vibration so powerful. And I woke up. And I had a big smile on my face. And I think what it was, Michael, was that I believe that those two beings from that dimension that came to me twice now, they have literally helped open up my third dimensional travel and I think it will just open up more and more and more as I progress through this human life to the end of my last breath. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, so I just thought I'd share it with you. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you weren't sure at the start whether this was a friend or foe. That's correct. It's funny how he came came across to you, but it's lovely that one day you'll come to know who he is and how you were such great friends in the past. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. You, before I woke up today, you were in my dreams. Oh, what was I doing this time? Oh, it was like... We were, I think we were trying to figure out how, how like, for instance, if we write, like, or after you're gone, we, I write a movie or, and a book and a movie about you, you know, it was like, oh, who, who plays you? For instance, one of the funny, one of the funny questions was, do we get, do we get a really like 
tall, strong person to play him, or do we get a really fit, strong, short person to play him? <laughs> I'm thinking <laughs> we should get a short person. That'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah, you can use Nakrit. Oh, that'd be excellent. Yeah. Because <laughs> I know for a fact when I'm gone, mate. I just wanted to quickly insert here that when Kentakis mentions Narcaris, Narcaris is actually his brother as it relates to their father being Yakus Kaitis, but also he has incarnated and is his young son in his particular physical life right now. Because I know for a fact when I'm gone, mate, um, depending on that time factor, he'll actually really read my books in a big way because his heart will be so saddened. I know that. And when he reads those books, he will discover not just who I am or his mother, he'll discover who he really truly is because it tells it in the second book. And he's got to read it to actually discover it. So I think that he will be actually, um, if he survives, I think he'll be a very, very strong-minded and a very well-expressed being because I think that's what he's trying to find now within himself, the, the power of his own expression, but also trying to formulate what is right and what is not accepted as um, behavior. And if he can come to the balance of that, it's going to help him a lot. But, I mean, you know, the other thing too, Michael, is, um, you know, the two books that I've got, mate, they're going to make, if, if they don't get made into movies now and eventually the world wakes up and all changes and everything goes back to fairly normal and there's more of a conscious growth in understanding, those books will make at least three movies each. That's six movies, right? And the second book... Um, that's that's it's gonna, it's gonna blow people's minds. It really will. It really, really will. This concludes another episode of Kentakis. Thanks so much for listening. You know, uh, we really appreciate any uh, feedback. If you have any suggestions, or if you have a question that you could ask, and maybe we could answer it within the our episodes, then yeah, please don't hesitate for any reason to email us on kentakis at gmail.com. You can find out more about Kentakis at etcconsciousness.com. And of course, we also have a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kentakis. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Michael Yon, and stay tuned for more.